Okay, I'm, I'm recording now. Hold on. Let me kick off another recording here. Okay. Um, good. All right. We're live on two different things. Are you, go ahead, Ezra. <laughs> I don't got no words. <laughs> I don't even care. I'm, two notes, like two notes. The theme That's says it. it all. It's just two notes. And it means more than like, it could be just like crazy full. No, no, it don't even, don't even need them. Stop. Two notes. Right there. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the MandoCast with Matthew McCarron and Ezra Paco. Hi. This is, not, this is a new territory for me. I think I got a feeling that Ezra, my man Ezra, is probably more well-versed in riffing on things like this for long periods of time. Um, but look, to the listening audience, to the viewing audience out there, I just want to say right here and now, this is a spoiler cast. 100%. We're going to be going over as many details as me and Ezra can remember. We're going to be throwing out hypotheses. We're going to be talking about the episode. We're going to be talking about the previous season. We're going to be talking about this season. Uh, but as it stands right now, uh, we are hashing out today Mandalorian Season 2, Episode 1, The Marshal. I just I'm really hoping that I'm really hoping that if you're listening to this by now, you already watched it. Oh, yeah. Because we're already it's, it's November 1. And I... Look, I, I can't claim to be a hardcore fan because I know you watched it day one, right? Uh, midnight? Yeah. Mainly okay. on the love of this. Like, I'm not as well-versed as a <laughs> name dropper, uh, a Star Wars Theory, New Rock Stars, the people who make really amazing in-depth videos about Star Wars. I'm no, not, not even that, that well-versed. No, but we're not that. it doesn't matter. We're, we're, we're entertainment men. We know entertainment. Yeah. And... Here we go. Here we are. Here we are. So let's do this. Let's before. Okay. So this podcast obviously is on my feed. So I'm Matthew McCarron. I like to do stand up. I like to podcast. But look, I was also there in a drive in movie theater to see Star Wars and New Hope when I was probably like, what, four or five years old? In fact, in yeah. fact that is my first movie memory is Star Wars. <laughs> uh, my first movie memory I have is being in a drive-in theater and the scene where um, the the guy in the, t uh, what's that called? The cantina? The Mos Eisley, yeah. When he and gets, his arm um, gets cut off uh, or, or pulled off and it hits the ground. And I remember as a little kid, like, oh, his arm got cut off because you see the blood. And it by today's standard, it was such little gore. Um, but back then for me, it kind of like, oh, it freaked me out, you know? Um, but anyway, so my only qualifications for this is I've been a fan since the beginning of the franchise. And to be honest, I kind of resented the franchise for a long period. And if anyone wants to know my deep take on that, me and Ezra kind of went into it on our podcast we had together on Am I Making Sense? So I just thought, look, I think Mandalorian is taking the public's imagination by storm right now. And I want to talk about it. I want to talk about it with a guy who I enjoy being around. And who also is a fan of uh, both Star Wars and all things in the kind of sci-fi universe. So that's my intro. Ezra, why don't you take it off? Give the people a little bit about yourself. Well, I have a uh, really interesting take on my first influence of Star Wars. I grew up and I first saw the toys. I grew up in a situation where... I didn't have sci-fi introduced to me at much of an early on. I didn't get to go to the theater a lot growing up. If someone wasn't going to take me somewhere to see something, 
I didn't get to know about it. I just, I didn't happen to just hear about Star Wars a lot. I only had to pick up bits and pieces. It was only until I was a teenager that I got taken to a movie theater with some buddies and to hang out with my friends. They said, hey, we're going to go see the reboots. Or mm-hmm. not the reboots, the, the remasters. And so we went and saw the first one and I thought, why didn't anybody ever show me this? And uh, so I geeked out real hard off of it. And then I went and bought the 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 three VHS set. Yeah. And so I saw the remaster. I ditched school to see the second remaster on my you, own. And your priorities were in the right place. Yeah. And you know what? It was really it just blew my mind that something that was so the whole universe the fact that one man created it all and i do come from like a comic book kind of background i mainly in more marvel than dc but i understand how much uh comics change story they they tweak storylines how star wars is always it's one canon it's all no matter how big it gets it's always anchored yeah it's always anchored to a I want to compare now, dare I say, like talking about if you hear religious people talk about like a Bible, for lack yes. of words, they'll go, hey, well, what about here when this happened? And they'll find the proof because there were books like I did read like Tales of the Bounty Hunters and a, okay. a couple of the, the things. And there's so many books you literally could just you can build a life around fallen Star Wars, but I am consider myself a casual fan because yeah, we're both ca- I'm into so many other things. You'd have to devote you can devote your life to Star Wars. I think people out there devote their life and that's not us. So we just want to be clear about that. We're we are the moderate fanboys of a kick-ass franchise. Uh but what the hell man I think Mandalorian deserves uh another podcast out there because um, this show is just, it's really kicking ass and I can't even come at it from a cynical angle because there's so many good things about it that I'm not really in it to be a critic of the thing. I know a lot of the bloggers and people out there, they kind of criticize this, that, and the other. It's like, again, I think to your point, ignorance is bliss for me because I don't know every detail of the star Wars universe and I don't know the timelines and I'm actually using Mandalorian to help me piece the timelines together. Cause there's little things they drop here and there that I go, Oh, okay. Well, that was in that timeline, or this is in that timeline. Yeah. Well, that's how good Mandalorian is. Yes. Is that it? No matter where you were, my my wife is also uh, pretty casual. This is something that brought people together. That because um, but, but right before Matthew started recording, we touched on that. Hey, Star Wars was in this limbo because it it got released literally right before. The, uh, the Rise of Skywalker mm-hmm. And so there's like a It's like a changing of the guard for the storyline A changing of the guard for Fan bases um, A changing of the guard for formats I mean this is the first live action Star Wars show yeah. So <clears throat> we've never seen anything like this It, it, it um, I, I Dare I say There's a For lack of words geeky dorkiness That gets associated with being a Star Wars fan, and this washes that. This is like, hey, you know what? This is just something that's so badass and so yeah. good. No yeah. matter who you are, you're going to like this. Yes, I think so. This is a good, I would say this is a good starting point because yeah. I think there's uh, just enough um, pieces for all types of audiences um, that, yes. you know, 
I'm almost, I, I had this debate with Star Wars fans all the time about how to introduce Star Wars to my kids. And what we ended up, me and multiple different fans said, I think A New Hope is the best starting point. But man, and that's what I did with my kids. I started with A New Hope. So I did it chronologically as they were released. Yes. Um, and it was good for them. They enjoyed all of them. But I'm like, I, I could have started with this baby Yoda character. I could have started with kids easily as this is the first one. Maybe there's a certain age group you don't want to. Um, I, I don't know. My kids are 10 and 8. So maybe if there's like a six-year-old or a five-year-old, it might be too much. But again, I don't know. I was five when I started in on New Hope. So it's probably fine. So let's do this. Let's get started on it, Ezra. Let's get started. And the first thing I want to touch on is Bobo Fett. Oh my God. Well, while what? he's playing that too, I'm totally just, I need to pause this. I'm watching in the background. If you're only listening, I'm watching in the background while I'm talking to Matthew here and the scene just right when uh, Timothy Olyphant's character walks in. Um, Oh man, <laughs> you lose your shit because I, I go. Wait, that's not Bobo Fett's. Is that at first I thought Bobo, and then I go, wait, that's not his armor. And then through the whole thing, I go, is that Bobo Fett's armor? Was that Bobo Fett's armor? It looks like I went back to Return of the Jedi. It looks like his armor. Was that Bobo Fett's armor? Oh, it is. It totally okay. is. And like that's what that man. So that's the beauty of this episode is that I had I've heard already criticisms people saying. Oh, it's only about one whole thing, the episode. They're like, well, they do one thing. The whole main goal, uh, spoiler alert, is that they're, they're trying to fight the, um, the, God, I, I call it a spice. I call it a spice worm, like Dune spice worm, except we're going to get to that. I have that on there. They're fighting. Yeah, so we're going to touch on, yeah, this, uh, like, how do you get the armor immediately, immediately, like it just starts a hurricane in anyone's brain. Cause even if you don't even fully know star Wars, Boba Fett's one of the one characters everyone knows. Everyone. And when you watch it, you're like, even when you watch star, like a new hope, when you watch return of the Jedi and um, empire strikes back, you think, gosh, that character, I want to know more about. And they yeah. never, and they dangle him over you. Like yeah. the only way you can know about him is to really research. And he makes you want to dig into the Star Wars universe beyond the movies, probably more than any character, really. Yeah. Dare I say. There's, there's a lot of mystery. And we talk about this in our podcast about how almost the, the, the unmasking of the Mandalorian in a way, again, I'm not a, a critic, but I kind of was like, oh, why did that... Because we thought Bo <laughs> we didn't see Boba Fett. Actually, I think we saw Boba Fett, what would be considered his son, in was it Clone Wars? Oh, Django, yeah, uh, Django Fett, because he's uh, he's a clone son of Django Fett. But you yeah. see him that little, yeah, and um, that's and what that was Boba Fett, right? Yeah, Maybe. the son is Boba Fett. Okay, so we so, did see Boba Fett. But um, he's little, and he's so little. you don't know what he's been through by that point, and yeah, that's why they're going to create this connection of um, um. Well, I'll save the Boba Fett stuff. I'll wait till you guide me to it. But the Boba no, Fett no, no, stuff, you, you no, go, go all the way through because we're okay. going to loop in and out. So give me everything you got. Okay. Well, um, the thing is that I'll dive right into this to to yeah. keep you hang on it for those listening already. Is that uh. Boba, this connection, I told my wife this, we usually theorize, we watch for like hours theory that I think Boba Fett is not going to be uh, cast as a villain towards 
uh, Din Djarin towards Mando. I think he's going to serve as like a beacon of info, like a kind of a guide, because that's why early on in or in about the middle of uh, the first season of Mandalorian, the little vulnerable scenes of showing uh Din Djarin as a kid and and what happened around him mm-hmm. it gives us a, ch- a chance to see that because <clears throat> that happened to Boba Fett in a, Attack of the Clones yeah. and uh where, where he kind of saw what was happening to his father to Django so it's like yeah. look they already had similar kind of terrible upbringings yeah and so there's this oh. connection already yeah, he's like, they, there's this, they both are portrayed by these innocent looking children that are just, you're like, man, these poor kids, what are they going to go through? And you you get retroactively uh, introduced to them because for Mandalorian, you get, you see Mando before you see Din Djarin as a kid. And in Star Wars, <clears throat> we all already saw Boba Fett as a bounty hunter, but to see him as a kid back in Attack of the Clones, I remember leaving the theater like, was that oh, no way it's Django's his dad. And it was so hyped just to see him as a kid. Yeah. So we're going to see this huge connection. It's going to come together. Yeah. And I think, dare I say, they're going to end up maybe working together. I'm a, that's my, that's my bold prediction. I'm going to put, <laughs> put money on that one that they're going to end up working together against the Jedi at some point. Well, so let's confirm and again, I'm kind of when I follow these things, I'm 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 a little bit of a dumb dumb. But the guy in the last scene, when it's a silhouette of his back and he turns around, that's Boba Fett, right? Are we? That, are we... that is yes. Okay, great. I'm trying to think of the actor's name, but yeah, he because he played Django in okay. Attack of the Clones. Perfect. Okay, so that's what me and my wife said. We go. That looks like the guy um, in Attack of the Clones who had who was the dad of Boba. Fett. So we go. That's probably Boba Fett. Um, but again, we don't follow every detail of what's going on. So we were kind of just guessing, ah, I think that's, so I would say your prediction, look, let's start a new segment. We'll start a new segment right now on the show that says, um, you know, prediction, the prediction accuracy section. I think you're about 95% accurate on that prediction because when you hear the word Tatooine, you go, Ooh, how much of the storyline has he revolved around Tatooine? And I feel, here's another thing. So this is great because to your point about um, this is kind of like saving Star Wars in a way. Yes. You could, you could look at this one of two ways. You could either say, I've been watching every Star Wars thing since the beginning. Um, and this is filling in even more of the character of Tatooine. Or you can just be like, I've only watched Mandalorian and oh, okay, Tatooine, that's cool. This is, he was there in the first season. Now he's back in the second season to do something. So this is somehow a main character in the overall story. So it's I, it's I such a beautiful it. setting for, yeah. I mean, it sounds weird to say beautiful because it's a barren desert, but yeah. the, it just, and Tatooine has this neutral ground feeling to it. When yeah. you look at it, they always make you really look at it with like kind of a vastness of, Hey, this is, I mean, touching on Mando learning being like a, like a Western Yes. Uh, it gives it that like, oh, this is the wild, wild west. Anything goes. And yeah, because it's not established like Bespin or the other uh, areas that are uh, touched on in Star Wars. Yeah, I agree. And so um, actually before. So I want to come back to Tatooine. But I want to touch on another thing. Cool. Um, the very beginning, there was the Gamorrean guard fight. 
You know, Gamora. Yes, Gun. yes. So I say, I, I've always been so empathetic to these poor pig face guards because I feel like they're treated like such shit. <laughs> Oh, yeah, they are. And, you know, in Return of the Jedi, you have the one where the guy accidentally falls into um, the Rancor pit. And he's kind of like the Rancor fodder, like, ah. And then in this one, they open up with the Gamorrean guard. I think the Gamorrean guards need some kind of, like, actor's guild or something to stop portraying them in these expendable roles. <laughs> they're going to st- they're, they're gonna start some kind of movement, like, yeah. we, need, we need a spokesman for them. We need someone to come out and, and, and be their leader. And hey, uh, yeah, yeah. Enough with us, us being <laughs> entertainment and the monster fodder. We know our faces look like pigs, but that doesn't mean we're an hors d'oeuvre. It, you know, I, I will say it's kind of interesting because I went back to this scene. I'm kind of, it's playing right now in the background too, is the... With the fight, you at least get to see them in action because that's true. We don't know what they can actually do because <clears throat> when they're in the rancor pit, uh, yeah. I'm like, what can this thing do to a rancor? Like, are they actually have any physicality to them? So yeah. at least you get to see this physicality, uh, and I, yeah, like the I like the little blue little kind of shielding type field. stuff. Yeah. Comes, yeah, the force shield that comes off the blade because yeah. I mean they have to make. They're not gonna have blood. They're not. I was like, are they gonna have this thing hack each other's heads off? And they they know not to try to make it look too cheesy, or if they try to make it look too realistic, it's not gonna be something that Disney Plus well, <laughs> signs off on. That's true. Yeah, it has to be kind of moderate. But I, I'll say this: I really enjoy. Um, we talked about the the comparison to the western. I really like how the fight scenes are kind of bloody knuckle fight scenes, uh, even though he has all this tech gear. And he ends up, you know, really killing quickly. But when he does have to go to fisticuffs, it's kind of an old Western, like haymaker punches and like headbutts and all these things that are, uh, I, I really appreciate. It's not wire work and him tiptoeing over things. It's just straight up old school brawl. Uh, oh man. Like <laughs> I, I, everything you say gets me so excited because this is so awesome. But yeah. one of the first things that I, you know, I, I, I'll piggyback off something that I heard on another uh, YouTube video was uh, his armor itself is a weapon. Like the yeah. little things where he gets punched and as he flies his head back or he, yeah. he, he leans his head forward and he knows he can take the punch and he lets it hurt the dude's hand that punches him. Yes. And he just, he lets his whole armor be a weapon. And I mean, he, he worked so hard for the Beskar. Yeah. And like at least three times in that fight, I'm like that Beskar, like, I mean, he's using it as like a weapon and just, yes. he's so proud to, wear it and that that's really interesting and then i also learned literally before we started recording that uh mando's played by three different people because uh they have the um the the there, there's like kind of a stunt double who does some of the like high flying movements and all that and then he has a fighting stunt double a guy that is actually trained in jujitsu oh nice and so you get to see all the i'm like oh now that i know that like it gives me a whole new way to watch it. Yeah. Yeah. 100%. Well, didn't, I mean, Darth Vader, was that always played by, um, was, um, James uh, Earl Jones. Was James Earl Jones always in the gear? I don't know. No, they, ha- they have a double for him. Okay. Um, I can't think of what the guy's name is. It's the double for Darth Vader, but, um, 
See, that's where we're not, we're not like true hardcore geeks. I mean, we're probably one Google search away. I can do that really quick. Let's do, let me do that Google search. Who, who was in Vader's suit? Was it James? David Prowse. Okay. I never heard of the guy. Um, but yeah, that's, that's interesting. They probably have to do that because those scenes are really, you know, it's just the real deal, which again, to kind of revisit our other conversation, that's what I love about, um, and I, I agree uh, with people's critique of the last Star Wars movie. Um, I, but for me, it was the writing more than anything. I think the writing and some of the acting really kind of bothered me, but at least they had the, puppet, the puppets back. Um, and in this one, it's, I mean, you know, there's computer graphics in there too, but they do enough of the live action type puppets that it's, it's a mixture of both. And I and I really I really appreciate that, which is a good transition into the villain of this episode, which is I'll just call him. I think they used his name. I'll call him the Spice Lizard. I, I, oh, I, uh, the 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 oh gosh, it's it's got the term dragon in it. Something dragon. Hold on, this the one. Cr- you know what? I should have known this. The crate, the crate dragon. K R A Y T. The crate dragon. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So they it's a a crate dragon. Um, it's only been touched on in the Star Wars universe about I think only one other time you see remnants of it. And a they there's baby or a couple times there's like baby crate dragons inside an aquarium in one of the earlier season or season one sometime. Interesting. And there's like a skeleton of one back in a, uh, a New Hope when they're during the Tusken Raiders fight with. Obi-Wan, <clears throat> the bones are of one of those. Right. Okay. That's great. So yeah, this was an interesting, this was an interesting villain. Um, so you had said, you know, some people were like, oh, what's what's this guy? I think there was a part of me who felt like it was a little bit of um a tangent to where we needed to go to develop the story. But then I stopped myself and I said, but that's kind of what's good about storytelling is you go off on these tangents. Cause I don't know if the guy who had Boba Fett's armor, I don't know if we'll ever see him again. I'm assuming that was his role and they're going <laughs> to, Oh man. So, um, so I put two things real, real quick. Uh, yeah, yeah. He, he does say something that, uh, I, I'm all about like foreshadowing. My wife's always like, yeah. why do you, why are you able to predict what's going to happen? Not, I'm like, cause they foreshadow the hell out of stuff. It keeps yes. people interesting. Foreshadow is such a good theatrical writing tool yes. to make us want more. We're like, I'm on, it's like, I'm in on this. Now I have to see if it comes to fruition. It's like, yeah. it's like giving in a, giving someone a call in a few weeks. You're like, Hey, how did that work out? You know? And yeah. when he says, I, I hope I get to see you again. I'm like, dude, he's going to be back in this. I know that I just feel it. I mean, you don't get a guy like Tiffany or Timothy Oliphant that good, not bring him back. That's a good point. That's a good point. And then the other thing that uh, was um, <laughs> the the thing about it being a tangent, <laughs> I had to laugh when you say that because I thought that when I watched this one because my friend I was watching it with, we had a geek out party and he's like, nice. dude, they only did one thing. And I was like, every episode of Mandalorian has been just yes. one thing. Yes. I mean, the episode six, the prisoner, that was a tangent. And then the, the one where they go and they go after the... Um, Ming-Na Wen's 
character when he's with that other dude that tries to screw him over that's yeah. a tangent every episode has been a tangent when it hasn't been uh uh built around baby yoda we'll call him or the yeah. child whatever it's been tangent after tangent after tangent yes because that's what his life is is tangents as a bounty hunter he's yeah. just now not getting paid for stuff that's right Cause in yeah. that prisoner episode, I had to watch that one a third time. Cause I'm such a huge Bill Burr fan. Yeah. I watched that one three times and I was like, dude, this is one huge tangent that, so I didn't, I, I had to remind myself he's going to go. It's eight episodes. This, uh, this series, this season two is going to be six tangents and then two episodes that tie it all together. That's yeah. That's a good point. Well, let's think of, okay, so let's do this. So Spice Lizard was an interesting battle. I think it kind of lost me. So number one, I'm a fan of the book Dune. I kind of liked the 80s movies, but I'm real movie, but I'm really looking forward to the new Dune. I'm hoping this Dune that's coming out, um, I think it was supposed to be out this summer, but you know, I guess with um, whatever, maybe COVID, maybe it got pushed back. But anyway, there's another Dune movie on the horizon. And you know, that that movie kind of revolves around the spice and you have those desert spice worms that that's a big part of the story where, um, you know, the main character has to go in and uh, live with the, I'm forgetting the name of the, the tribe of people, but he's got to kind of tame that lizard. And when I first saw this, I go, wait a minute, are we dealing with, you know, spice worms here? And then even when he jumped out and you saw the mouth, it kind of reminded me of the eighties version of Dune. And then once he started spitting acid, I was like, oh no, this is like an omnipotent type uh, monster. I don't know how they're going to, how they're going to beat this guy. If he can light everyone up with his spit, like just, just. What's really weird is I, um, another, there's a video game Knights of the Old Republic and um, right in the game, you fight one of those things and you actually do the same thing. You got to lure him out. And uh, Ah. so if you, I only seen some of the game footage because I wasn't that good at the game, and <clears throat> but that was one thing that they did. Uh, so kill I feel him there. I feel there was a little bit of a, if I were to slip on my critic hat, there's a little bit of unoriginality with with fighting that kind of guy. Oh um, yeah, but nonetheless, I think they touched on also the pit uh, in the what's it called? Not the um, the Carlac pit. Yeah, the the Sarlac. Sarlacc pit. So he ate the sar- supposedly he ate that sarlacc. Uh, yeah, they really touch on they, they. Um, I saw that get brought up on a lot of uh, YouTube reviews where they showed that scene like, oh, it, well, how would something live in a sarlacc pit? Like, well, if it ate it, and mm. it just they they really they stress so much. Hey, this thing's gonna be big and gnarly. Like they do yeah. hammer that point home. You're like, okay, I get it. This is going to be a rough fight. Like, yeah, it was I, good. with With that fight, I actually was kind of gripping myself wondering, I said, no, they're not going to have uh, the child do something crazy in the first episode. Cause yeah. they're, I knew they had other things planned and I was like, this is a good chance for them to let, the child show how powerful he is by stopping that. But then he did that with the mud horn in the uh, season one. So I was like, they won't do that again. And it's too, uh, 
a little inappropriate here, but they're not going to let them bust the child nut in the first (laughs) in the first episode. They're going to like let them. We're going to see a feat from him in like episode three or four. Yeah. Yeah. I, um, I didn't expect too much from baby Yoda in this episode for same reason, but, uh, man, sometimes I feel, I know the baby is 50 years old, but I feel like this poor baby's kind of neglected some of the time because there's a whole lot of fighting that goes on that he kind of gets pushed to the side in his little floating bassinet. I think about that all the time. We there always was, go, he's just going to walk away from it like that. He's supposed yeah. to be I, it's with me all the time, yet he'll walk away from it. What if he'll go into the mouth of the d- dragon? Yeah, what if a Tuscan Raider's like eh, Tuscan Raider's like I'm? A, I know it's worth something. I'm gonna take it. Or exactly, he had to trust them. Oh, let's get into that. Hold on, let's get into the the drunken sand, the drunken seals, the sand people. Uh, here's another thing I like. This is all maybe I'm getting repetitive here with what I'm saying, but I love that we're developing the character of Tatooine by actually going and um, engaging the, the, I guess the classical um, villain of Tatooine, kind of the faceless zombie type creature that we don't know anything about. And now in season one, there was some kind of, you know, relationship. Uh, Wait, was in season one, there's a relationship with the Tusken Raiders or am I mixing my movies up? Oh, it's well, it's in a New Hope because they, uh, they, um, well, in New Hope, it's the first thing that he has to save uh, Luke from, but they're just so faceless, and we see them as ruthless all the time. Oh, you know and what I'm thinking of? I'm thinking of when Anakin went and slayed the whole village. That's what I'm thinking of. So yeah. this is the first time we've seen them in a kind of an allyship. Like, no, these motherfuckers, they know the desert. They're exactly the kind of people you want to team up with. Yeah, where they actually get credit for being something that we we yes. get to see that wow they're, they're they're a society they're developed they function like a village they yeah. are a people they're they're somebody that um they matter too yes it's and they uh it's it's done really really well I mean the way that Mando kind of ends up being the catalyst between yeah. that pe- the people on, on uh, Pelgro or. Pellegrino, San Pellegrino, whatever that place is called. I keep calling it San Pellegrino. <laughs> and um, why not? The, it, sh- it shows Mando's uh, the way he walks the line of, hey, he he, he deals with everybody. I mean, he, he speaks yes. Tuscan Raider. Just to hear him do the chant when he did yeah, the call, I was like, oh, dude, he's like fluent. And- yeah. That whole dynamic, all, all of the conversations, like when uh, <clears throat> with um, Cobb Cat Fath, I, I can't, I, I, you know, I get the names mixed up. The Tiffany, Timothy Elephant, I like you call him that, but just the tension mm. of at any moment he could say something that's gonna just snap the Tuscan Raiders, like, and he's like, no, 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 just play it cool, let me talk to him. Yeah, I love Mando being the referee between them through all of that because that kept coming up and coming up. You're like, is something gonna snap? And it, yeah, it doesn't. Yeah, it's definitely good. Um, so I, I want to do a one random connections segment. There is an actor, or I guess actress. I don't know if I'm supposed to call women actor or actress now, but um, 
Amy Sedaris. Oh, love her. I know. I, I wanted to throw the name out because I go, I wonder if I throw out her name if if Ezra will know who I'm talking about. Strangers with Candy, man. And Bojack Horseman. She was uh, Princess Caroline. I don't know if you were familiar with that series. I seen a couple episodes. I had, okay. a, even though I had a hard time getting into it, I knew who she was. I mean, she's, she's like so multi-talented. Like, oh, I mean, she's, she's a, great. I mean, I mean, it wasn't, I, I don't remember if she was an SNL or not, but. Um, I don't know about uh, SNL. I know she was in, she had a character. She was, she's what you would call a classic character actor strangers with candy is what i remember her from in the okay. most because i watched that show that was so awkward it was awesome yeah. oh and the at, at home with amy sedaris i watched some yep. of that too yep. yeah it's for family evidently she was in this season i didn't i haven't watched this season she's of in all kinds of dude she she's everywhere in, i'm looking she was on SpongeBob. uh spongebob uh, i remember her in elf she was cute in elf she was yeah. like oh you're just so adorable i remember that scene <laughs> yep um, so she is a character actor that, I mean, if you go to her IMDb since 91, it's on that scene right now. He just handed, uh, the, the child over oh, did to he? her right now. I love that. Like whether the thing, if it divides or but or buds, I'll, I'll pay for the offspring. Like that's such a fun, like, well, we don't know how these things breathe. Like, I mean. If it divides our buds, that's a classic line. <laughs> buds. I'm going to say that about like random things. Like I'm going to, I'm going to, let's say that to like girl, a girl sometime or something. <laughs> like, hey, if you divide her bud or if, uh, or if my wife divides her buds, you can have a, yeah. you can have a copy of my wife. Oh <laughs> man. That's amazing. Yeah, that's great. So, um, any other, any other tech appreciation out there about his guns about his armor we talked about his armor any other stuff going on oh, you know man i was like <laughs> actually i just you know the the funny thing about the armor is you start learning about how valuable it is because right in the beginning yeah. when um <laughs> Gosh, I, I get bad with stars people names i'm gonna say john Leguizamo. john Leguizamo's character did you know that Wait, which one's John Leguizamo's character? In the beginning, when he goes and kind of like muscles that guy a little bit, and he's like, hey, I'm looking for <clears throat> that green guy that he ties the up. Guy? Yeah, that guy's played by John Leguizamo. I knew the voice. Yeah. I, I whose who's <laughs> voice is this? Because this Oh, yeah, dude, that's familiar. John Leguizamo. And I love Leguizamo. He's yeah, he's great. Good. Uh, he... Uh, he kind of is like, I'll, I'll give you for, for that best guard. You just want it so bad. I'll, I'll, that's another side bet I'll throw onto this. Like, I like to try to predict what's going to happen through this. And I think someone else is going to make a, a pull for his armor. They're going to be like, because their best guard is so scarce. And well, and somehow the empire armor. has access to it. Which will come up again. Yes. I mean, they're they're gonna. I, I think of this thing on like a global scale of. They already have season three in IMDb put there. They're ready for it, and I'm like, <laughs> you know, uh, Pedro Pascal already is. He's already tired of playing Mando in suit. He's only going to do the voiceover stuff. They. They better wrap this thing up by the end of his. I, I mean, it's so good, and I hate to yeah. jinx the series, but they're gonna wrap this thing up around the middle of a end of season three or like an early season four because 
they they're this is going to be a springboard for so many other things. Yes. I mean, if they're going to introduce Boba Fett, they're going to be able to take Boba Fett to the next level. Or baby um, Yoda. I mean, we have multiple offshoots from this guy. Yeah, and, and the fact that they're going to be bringing in a uh, Sabine Wren from uh, Rebels, and they're going to be bringing in uh, oh, they're bringing in Sabine. My yeah, kids so- are going to lose their. They love Sabine. Dude, okay, so I'll tell you that. Like, my wife didn't watch Rebels, and I did. I watched uh, uh, Rebels with my son Vladimir, and I'm like, tell my wife, I'm like, you needed to watch Rebels. I know yes. you don't want to because it's a car, an animation, but at the same time, seeing how badass Sabine Wren was and that she wielded the dark saber because that dark saber yeah. thing that is going to be a huge MacGuffin towards. You, if she's going to come back for it, is she going to wield it again? We don't know. Ahsoka has beef because she stayed back during all like where was ahsoka during episode uh during during episode um four five and six you know yeah and also <laughs> i'm really geeking out hard yeah, that's <laughs> they're gonna or they're gonna end up having to tie this into something that goes into um because this takes place after the fall of the empire but before um I forget the name of episodes seven, eight, and nine because I just, they all, um, uh, I can't be uh, on brain farting on it. The one that, Ray, oh, Force Awakens, Force Awakens. Right. With, um, yeah. Ray, it, those weren't very good. Yeah. Those were. No, but they're going to still have to tie it back into that. But the Star Wars universe is so vast. Yeah. They don't need to, but you're going to see, I mean, how far can they stretch out whatever happens? Because we're looking at only a series of a few months or years. Like, apparently Boba Fett, they, someone did the math that Boba Fett's probably in his 60s in canon by the time you see him here. You know, that's, now I'm thinking this through. Some it, it some of it doesn't stand up because when they talk about the empire, they talk about like it was something that was so long ago, um, and they talk about the second Death Star destruction Start too, and that's what it, yeah. Well, that's what they talk it about it like it's so old, but it can't have been that long ago. So it wasn't. That's why I don't think he's in his sixties. I think he's just really beat up. Yeah, There's one guy, one fact checker. Um, said oh wouldn't he be in his 60s or 40s they haven't fully figured that out because they never fully laid out the math of how much after this this the scene's happening right now where uh Cobb um Cobb oh gosh I, I want to get his name right I don't care yeah. Cobb Cobb Vanth okay uh he um this is right where he says literally as soon as the empire fell we got taken over again Yes. So that tells you that happened right away. I mean, how long has we wearing, been wearing that Boba Fett armor for? Um, that is one. And where did Boba right Fett there. go? We got to circle back to that. So he didn't fall into the pit. Oh, he he did, but he escaped. But um, it's where he went afterward because he's a bounty hunter. He was able to be like, you know what? Screw all this fight. I'm gonna do what I want. Yes. Because you see him. Uh, he's wearing Tuscan Raider weaponry. Mm. And one of their cloaks yep. when you see him in the shadows. So he obviously has been uh, living amongst the Tuscan Raiders. Yeah. But isn't it funny the, the, the duplicitous nature of the Mandalorian bounty hunter? Because they're very pragmatic in getting their target, but then they also have this code that they live by like, this is the way. 
right? And so when they need to navigate their job, they are very pragmatic and there's, they're amoral. Amoral is the right word, right? Like their actions, um, they wouldn't give the weight of good or bad. Like I shouldn't do this because it's bad or this should, because it's good. It's like, I need, I have to do this, but then they have their own code that they, that they live by that keeps that's, them together as a tribe. Yeah. That's, what's going to be interesting to find out because we really, um, they, they have such a bad reputation in most of star Wars canon until Mandalorian came out. Like when we met the armorer and we saw him in that, this is the way, the way that they had each other's back back yeah. in season one. And, you're like, wow, they, they have a honor. They have a, uh, because in, in rebels and in clone, uh, well, more of rebels, they're much more, they're not villainous, but there's a ruthlessness to them. Oh yeah. Where you kind of go, are they like, well, they pick uh, the side that helps them live longest. Yes. They look out for their own kind. That's pretty much what it is. Okay. <clears throat> but that, that's why I'm trying to figure out, what made them reach the conclusion that, well, you got to, you're, you're, you're the baby Yoda's father. You're this thing's father until you take him to his people. Like whatever happened in the Mandalorian's past that led them to that belief system. Yeah. I think you'd have to go deep into star Wars literature for that one or, or probably find a video or two and get caught up yeah. on it. <laughs> Someone on YouTube is doing a hundred times more work and research than we are on this. We're just kind of, we're very Mandalorian focused at this point. Well, I mean, that's the beauty of it again, is that it just, it appealed to uh, what I appreciate so much about it again, is that things that people saw about Star Wars were like, Oh, I don't, I don't care about laser fighting swords and like, uh, Mm -hmm this and that it's just shot so different it looks so different like you there's a fine line that it walks so beautifully of yes it's star wars it looks like it and it feels like it but it also feels like something that captivates me more than star wars ever did star wars i I, we said this in your podcast that star wars has cheeky acting it has kind of cheeser actors like yeah the only really good actors in it were like harrison ford and everyone else is not that it's slightly campy yeah very very dust of whimsical yeah mandalorian doesn't have any of that except for the stuff with baby yoda yeah that's what grabbed our hearts yes on everything else you're like wow he cares for this thing that really is that adorable like wow a dude this hard probably fell for this creature the same way we did but we're like oh, squee yeah. look at it like <laughs> i got i gotta save this thing i gotta save this yeah thing. yeah yeah and it's a badass too it's oh a, it is it's a 50 year old it's a very wise powerful baby dude i'm blown away. I, whatever this you know he's gonna do something gnarly yeah coming up and i'm like i know we're gonna I mean, we've been watching, we watched it at midnight when my, when we're having our little watch party here, I know we're going to wake up the whole damn house when he does something badass. We're yeah, going to yeah, scream yeah. like it was a Super Bowl play. Yep. 100%. Well, you know what? I want to circle back to another thing that you uh, talked about how they definitely have a season three, but we need to see it kind of wrapped up in season four. I'm going to talk, I'm going to share my uh, worthless two, uh, two cents opinion on 
on series in general. I think we live in an age where there's no reason for a writer to write a story longer than five seasons. And I'll tell you why I think this, because there was a time when you had these series that just kept going and going, but because of the economy behind um, the way television and movies were produced. So in the past you had to sell commercials. And if you had a writing staff and actors who people would tune in day in and day out, you know, when you have your Seinfeld or your friends or your cheers, like all of these things, they were bringing so many eyeballs to the television that they were able to sell commercials or um, a much higher premium. Right. And so they said, well, we got to keep going, but there's, well, I just named a bunch of sitcoms, but, but now I think writers like, and, and here's where I first felt it, where I felt like, the concept of jumping the shark. I don't know if you've ever heard of that concept where yeah. uh, the writers, you can tell the writers have just kind of given up and are just writing whatever nonsense, but there's no cohesion. I think lost for me was the first time where I said, um, as a viewer, I just go, this was so unnecessary and there was no, it wasn't sewed up nicely. And there were so many plot holes that I said, Someone should have put a constraint just for the sake of the story of five seasons on this um, series. That was Dexter for me. Was it Dexter? Okay. I never jumped into that, but how many series, how many seasons did that last? I think six or six or seven. Yeah. But when it ended, you're like, man, they just hurried and wrapped. It was like they got caught wrapping Christmas presents and they're like, Ah. hurry up, man. Like just wrap this thing up. Cause, uh, um, it's, I, I like that you touched on that because I mean, even as a Simpsons fan, like when you watch it, you go, I can't believe there's still like, it hurts now to watch. And I love oh, the wow. Simpsons yeah, yeah. and there's so many <clears throat> shows like, you know, you mentioned an economy of it, you know, writers are, um, if a writer gets uh, cut from a show or like, if you get, um, you know, not everything's SNL or like a yeah. tonight show, or they're just going to keep cranking them out. Like, a writer's got to be nervous as hell to think, wow, they could shut this thing down at any moment. Like yeah. I, I just listened to Alfonso. We're really going, I don't care, but oh. Alfonso Ribeiro who played Carlton on yeah. Fresh Prince, he touches on, he, we were only on six seasons. I was like, and you ended it just right. Like yeah. you already, you already had to, had to change Aunt Viv once yeah. you, you had a character change. You ended that right. Just right. You know, let it ride out in syndication. Yes. You didn't murder it. You didn't make us hate it and be yep. like, oh, that was only six seasons. Like, well, yeah, because <clears throat> I mean, even bands, you know, four, fourth album, fifth album. I mean, how many bands are their best out, best work comes out after a fifth album, really? Yeah. The, the only one, the only band that I think, and this is the critics would say this, I don't <laughs> think I would say this, is Aerosmith. They seem to get more commercial with every album. <clears throat> But I still like their first two albums the best. Yeah, and I liked I liked to get a grip, but even that point they knew they knew that they're that they're making money and um, yeah. There's with music, it just it's a creative thing, you know. I mean, because for creativity, for for writing, 
if you can attach the term rioting to any creative force, you're going to yeah. be able to go, well, you can't keep this cooking this hot forever. You're either going to, things aren't going to cook as well, or you're going to burn them. And that's it. Yeah. Like you can't just keep cooking amazing forever. Even if you have a good recipe. Yeah. So, but Mandalorian has, I'm so concerned with Pedro Pascal not wanting to be part of that. I mean, I know I harp on it, but it hurts to think that because I just watched him in an interview talk about how magical it was. But I'm like, dude, you dropped off. Like, you're mad because you can't show your face. Like, I thought you appreciated this creative process, process, yet you're, I want to show my face. I wonder if... That is a weird one. So, you know, I touched on Amy Sedaris and a lot of her catalog is voice work. And I wonder, do actors, on-screen actors feel that voice work is lesser? Because there's a they lot of big to. name. There's a lot they have of to. Doing voice work though. Um, you know, like you name it. Every A-lister in Hollywood has done voice Mark work. Hamill. Mark Hamill's voice work as the Joker in some people's framework, frame of mind is better than his role as Luke Skywalker because uh, he does a phenomenal job as the Joker voicing over. I mean, <clears throat> voiceover is, it, 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 it's good work. I mean, Hank Azaria is one who really walks that fine line between he's, I mean, he was great in the bird cage and, mm-hmm. but he also is a phenomenal voice actor. I mean, look, without the, the Hank Azaria, there'd probably be no characters on the Simpsons. But yeah. I can't help but think actors. I mean, because your your face is irreplaceable. People, I I heard a joke last night or kind of a theory. They say, you know, people are aren't paid by the job they do or how hard they work. They're paid by how irreplaceable they are. Athletes, actors, people are paid by how irreplaceable they are. Yeah. And so Pedro Pascal is probably like. Oh, I'm replaceable because I'm a mask guy. I mean, like I said earlier, he's played by three people. So minus his voice, what do they need him for? The voice. I mean, you're the voice. voice dude. That's what. I, that, so that's what I would say. I would say, you know, um, you get a like a Shrek played by um, Mike Myers. Mike Myers, and it's like, well, yeah. I mean, Mike Myers, just his voice alone is enough to carry characters and bring them to life. You know. He could yeah. do. Here's a good example of comedy albums back when they were albums. You know, like there were there was a lot of stuff you just listened to back in the day, but the voice still was enough to bring it to life and paint the picture and whatnot. So I don't know. I would say it's unfortunate if that's his feeling. I guess is where I'm going with it because I I think that you know the voice work is is critical. It, it's part of the whole. It, it's like being mad that you're not the whole band. Yeah. <laughs> like, dude, you're, oh, you're dude. I'm like, dude, you're one member. Like yeah. just to be, I was a member of this. Like you want to play guitar and drums and bass and sing. And you want, you want to be Prince. Like even Prince hires a band. Like yes. you can't do it all. Like, I'm sorry, man. And, and, and I, I'm also as a business aspect, I'm like, did you not get paid well enough? Are you not, are you not getting figure royalties? I mean, Mike Myers does the, the Shrek movies are the last thing Mike Myers did that put money in his pocket yeah. and he's so paid. Yeah. Every time I hear somebody like when uh, John C. Riley did uh, Wreck-It Ralph and Sarah Silverman, I'm like, well, they're set. I mean, you got paid to voice a Disney character. Dude, yeah. you're so set for life. I think so. Yeah. 
Cool, man. So let's do final thoughts here. Let's do final thoughts. I guess for me, my final thought on episode one is I, there was so much anticipation that I, again, I can't really offer any criticisms. Um, I'm definitely looking forward to see how Boba Fett's story develops. And I think that your theory, your hypothesis is 95% where Boba Fett is going to become a significant plot line for season two, I think. I really do too. I, um, because if there's one thing that we have seen the man, the Mandalorian as a whole has given us this, um, we, we live in a time right now where the bad guy is never just the bad guy anymore. This isn't like, haha, Superman fighting Zod. This is like, we always want the bad guy to be so bad. We not anymore. We live, this is 2020. We live in an era of understanding. We live in a, like, um, sympathy for the devil. We're always like, Hey, like, well, what about, um, what makes this person tick? What makes these people tick? Why? I, I want to know how they got that bad because we we think that about just our friends and our loved ones. Yeah. Like, what what brought you to here? You know, they've already uh, the Mandalorians that are known to be he's a bounty hunter. Now we root for him. Yes. We, now, now we don't look at the Tuscan Raiders with disgust because they're hardworking. Yeah. Uh, but Boba Fett, we so want to see that other side of him. How did you get to that point? And is it something you'll revert to? This can be a story of redemption because Star Wars always has had that story of redemption. The, the, the Darth, the Anakin to Darth, the, the Kylo Ren. They always have somebody be like, I'm sorry. I want to make up for it. Yeah. Is Boba Fett going to make up for it with like, hey, let's get the force. They believe in the force. Maybe they view the force from a faith aspect almost. Like I see he's helping this creature that's force sensitive. I, if I help him, maybe I can finally will die happy. I mean, this may see either Boba, this may see Boba Fett die at the end of season two or three, maybe who yeah. knows, who knows, but it's a tale of redemption. It's a tale of us rooting for the bad guy. And maybe they're not a bad guy to begin with. There we go. That's a great way to end it. All right. We're going to wrap Perfect. it for this episode. Uh, see you next time.